Well, welcome everyone to Vital Conversations. I'm Dr. Joel Kreisberg. And I'm Reggie Mara. And we'd like to welcome all of you and welcome Helene Waldman uh, to our January Vital Conversation. I'm going to introduce you, Helene, to our callers, our listeners. Helene has written a book called The Whole Food Guide for Breast Cancer Survivors. Uh, she you know, specializes in working directly with uh, survivors and folks with cancer and doing nutritional consulting. And she has a new program called From Cancer Patient to Cancer Survivor Lost in Transition. And we're really excited to have you here today, Helene, to talk about your work and share with our audience. Well, thanks, Joel. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start with the book and what you've been, you know, your, you know, this book and how this book came about and what you were trying to get done with the Whole Food Guide for Breast Cancer Survivors. Well, when I first started writing the book, there wasn't anything else out there like it. Now, it's amazing because in the past, let's say, five years, now there's about 10 books like it. So I guess everybody had the same idea at the same time. Really? But I didn't see anything like it. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to put in one place sort of a foundational plan. If you are trying to prevent cancer or you're trying to prevent a recurrence, here's what you need to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to organize it very methodically. You need to be thinking about your blood sugar. You need to be thinking about whether or not you are nutrient sufficient. You need to be thinking about inflammation levels mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, medications, your digestive system, all the things that uh, either make your body a hospitable or an inhospitable place for uh, a cancer to grow. Mm -hmm. So we basically went through all of the different areas, did a chapter on each. We talked about toxins, personal care products, toxins in the home, tests that you can get to see what your susceptibility is, to see maybe where your weak areas are, where your strong areas are. Because cancer, as you know, is a, is a very multifaceted process. Right, exactly. Well, I appreciate right on the cover, you write whole body healing. So you really take a comprehensive approach. I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I do. I, that's, that is exactly what uh, we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. We were trying to say, hey, look, you know, here's really what you need to pay attention to. Here, here's how you pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Here's how you can assess where you are on the continuum of, of risk. Mm -hmm. And here's what you can do about it. Exactly. And you also, the other piece that's interesting is whole, and it's not only whole body healing, but you have a commitment to whole foods. That's another key word in there, whole foods. So that comes, like, I would imagine, from your nutritional training. Oh, sure. Supplements, it's, it's, it's eating as well as supplements, as well as what not to eat. Well, it's eating first. Ah, eating first. It's eating first. Food is always the foundation. Always, always, always. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get terribly into supplements because when I work with clients, I personalize the supplements. Mm. I don't say everybody should be on this supplement. Everybody should be on DIM. Everybody should be on green tea. Everybody should be. I, they're, they're really, to right. me, there isn't an everybody because everybody's got a unique biochemistry. Mm -hmm. And their biochemistry is, as I said before, is, is doing some things well and some things not as well. So we use the supplements to help bring the not so good parts up, up to par. Right. Well, and I think that's really important what you said that you personalize, right? And so that, I think that's a key piece. And also cancer is not just one thing, right? Cancer is, is a whole a lot of different things. So you want when, you know, because I do some nutritional work, I don't do what you do. I tend to want to send people to someone who's going to do more precise work, but is what's the specific foods that someone needs to eat for their own unique condition and their own situation and the supplements that go to. I mean, for me, I was thinking that supplements often are the case where I can't get enough of something through eating. I might use a supplement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, we might do that. Certainly with something like vitamin D, we might do that. Yeah. You know, even with supplements though, I'm, I'm leery of just having people go to the web and read something and say, okay, vitamin D is great. I should do it because Right. 
you know, some people need more, some people need less. Uh, vitamin D needs to work in concert with vitamin K2. Without the K2, the vitamin D liberates possibly too much calcium um, into the bloodstream and, and you can become hypercalcemic. So it's not only important to understand what the supplements do, but how they work with each other and how they might work with any uh, medications that people are on, because there are interactions that happen as well. Yeah, totally. So it's not, and, you know, and with so much information on the web, it's not simply a matter of, of well, I heard this, I heard this. You actually need a professional. It's very helpful. Otherwise, I think you're buying, you know, a refrigerator full of supplements, and nobody in the long run is going to want to do that. It's probably a waste of your money to have that many supplements, and they could be, counteracting each other well that's yeah that's a, it's the i would say it's not as effective as actually giving the right combination of things and also what you said i think is really important learning how to eat learning how to learning, eat learning how to <laughs> eat is foundational it's foundational i really appreciate that i think that's where you start very early in the book is learning how to eat right as one of the you know key pieces uh and actually i've seen the yeah, the eating for healthy foundational plan or health foundational plan. It's one of the basic chapters. How would you describe your philosophy of the, a health foundational plan? Well, I try not to be too dogmatic. Mm -hmm. um, I am just surrounded all the time, as I, I'm sure you are too, mm -hmm. by people who say, oh, you have to eat raw. Mm -hmm. You have to be a vegan. No, yeah. you have to do paleo. Paleo, I was going <laughs> to You yeah. have to do this. You have yeah. to, you have to yeah. juice. You know, I think that what you ha quote have to do is eat a nutrient dense, clean diet. Mm, I like and that. It can yeah. Take many forms, and some people are going to do better because of digestive issues or whatever. They're going to do better with cooked foods, mm -hmm. or at least for a while, than with raw foods. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to be okay with lots of fruit. Some people who have blood sugar uh, modulating issues maybe can't have as much fruit. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we really do have to take each person's individual um, proclivities and, and, as I said, strengths and weaknesses into account. You know, some people are on a lot of medications. Mm -hmm. So we look up those medications and we say, oh, my goodness, you're on medications that are depleting your CoQ10 and, and your magnesium. We need to make sure you have plenty of those probably in supplement form because yeah, exactly. your medications are just wiping you out. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that makes total sense because you're working with cancer. Right. So more often, I imagine a lot of your clients are coming in on various medications. Yeah. It's more common. Yeah. Yeah. Are you seeing uh, the cancer industry uh, seeking out more nutritional, uh, you know, solutions, more nutritional as either ancillary to a conventional approach or as a part of the treatment protocol? I wish I could say yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, really, yes. yeah. I really do. Mm -hmm. What I do see is I see many individual practitioners gravitating towards nutrition. Mm. And I see doctors who decide to embrace this i see um, naturopaths who are trained in this anyway mm -hmm. a few oncologists here and there not too many mm -hmm. but there's a whole community of practitioners who who do this kind of work mm -hmm. but i wouldn't say the medical quote allopathic medical community is moving in this direction no Right. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's why, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it sort of seems like it, but I don't really know. That's why I'm glad I asked. And another question that kind of fits that one is I would, you know, would you say what you're doing is coaching or how would you describe your actual, I mean, a lot of our audience is coaches. So I'm curious if you think of it as coaching or you think of it as, how do you describe your actual work? Well, I think of it, I, I come from an education background. Mm -hmm. So I'm always thinking like an educator. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the way an educator thinks is um, what do they have to do? What do they have to know in order to be able to do it? Mm -hmm. Kind of how can I give them strategies so that they can do what they need to do mm -hmm. uh, for the long term? Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of that is quite similar to what happens in coaching. It's just mm -hmm. that because I have such a strong background in education, I think of it in, in an educator's yeah. terms. No. I, think, I think that it's very much the same. I mean, the point is to get people to a goal and mm -hmm. to help move them from step one to step two to step three. Yep. And hopefully make themselves sufficient. 
You know what I love about that, that makes a perfect segue. I was mentioning before we got on to the main screen about how I really like the organization of the book because each chapter starts out with a goal, right? And actually, this is one of our, we you know, we've been recording a lot about this idea of a coaching topic or a health topic. And you, you're describing as an educator, you have a goal. So I'm just going to read someone. I mean, it reads some of these. Uh, chapter two, the chapter goal is learn about emerging risk factors for breast cancer. Okay, chapter, the next chapter is eating for foundation, for health foundational plan. And the goal is to understand the foundational plan for healthy eating, eating for health. Only read one more, but they're so clear. Uh, chapter goal of the next chapter is learn how to limit your exposure to toxins in a manageable level. Right. So you just you start out a way it's really clear in the book. And uh, it's a it's a lovely design because it's like it's not just read about it. It's like, can you move in this direction? Right. And can you help at the end of it? So do you feel when you work with people individually, are you as clear? I imagine you're you're pretty clear that way, too. You give people very clear goals. I try. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and, you know, so good for you. And so somewhere along the way, this book had led you into then this new program, right, which I'm just going to repeat the name. And then I want to hear how these this sort of program came about. So the program is called From Cancer Patient to Cancer Survivor. No, no uh, it's actually called RenewSurvivorshipCare.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let me get it right. So say it again. It's called Renew. Yep. Full name is Renew Survivorship Care. Renew Survivorship Care. Okay, sorry I didn't get that right, but I'm glad we got it right at this stage. Renew Survivorship Care. And that is, this is, you know, this is a, well, tell us about the program, Renew Survivorship Care. Okay, well, the, the impetus for the program really came about as a result of a report that was called from cancer patient to cancer survivor. Oh, interesting. Okay. In transition. Yeah. So this is a report that the Institutes of Medicine put out in 2006. Mm. And they said, you know, after cancer treatment, nothing really is provided for survivors. Um, the oncologist sort of shakes your hand and says, okay, you know, we've done everything we can for you and go have a nice life. Right. And this is terribly, terribly different, difficult for survivors. And the more survivors that I, I have spoken to, the more I realize that they say it, it feels like they're just jumping off a cliff because they've had a whole support team. They've had oncologists. They've had all kinds of nurses. They've probably had a support group. They've had all kinds of support along the way. And then here they are, you know, in the wilderness, Mm, it really is in the wilderness, and they're quite depleted from the treatment often. And they're quite depleted. So it's like so, being left in the wilderness with no food. With no food, <laughs> yeah, no shelter, no nothing. Yeah. So, the, um, so the Institutes of Medicine actually made a recommendation. and They said, well, we believe that um, every oncologist who has a, a patient should write a report, a survivorship care plan mm. is what they call it. So mm -hmm. ideally, each person should leave their oncology experience with a survivorship care plan in their hand or in the mail, which should then go to their primary care practitioner, who then is supposed to magically know everything, everything they need to know to uh, help take care of and monitor the health of survivors. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not something that primary care providers are trained in, so to me, there's a real gap there. Mm -hmm. What's happened so far is that these survivorship plans are not even really being written because they're very time consuming. Yeah. I mean, it's not that realistic for oncologists to sit for several hours for each patient after they're done treating them and, and basically you know, earning their income to then go down and spend a half a day uh, writing a report. So these survivorship care plans haven't really happened to the extent that they should have. I'm sure there's some. I don't have numbers on that. Yeah. But um, that's the idea. Well, let, let me just, I'm going to cut in because I think it's brilliant, actually, for a couple of things that you said is it's brilliant because it really is the next, you know, what next, right? It's, you know, a lot of people getting cancer. The treatment's a big deal. 
and then you made it. Isn't that great? Now, what next? The, the survivorship plan is a key piece, and it is a different type of work. And it's not even appropriate to ask the, you know, the oncologist, the physician to do that, because that's not what they're trained to do. So once again, since our audience tends to be health coaches, there's a way in which this is what we're saying health coaching is why it's an emerging field because there's room for working with people in something that's not diagnosis and treatment of illness. This is planning how to, to, to thrive in the world. So you've developed a program for how to get people to thrive in the world specifically after they've survived a, a life-threatening crisis. That's actually quite brilliant. I, I really, you know, I, I'm very impressed. And so, so you started cooking up, but you had to actually develop a plan then. You had to develop a program. So yeah, tell us a little bit what happened. We did. Work? So what we did was we thought about all of the things that I have a partner in this, Dr. Shani Fox. Mm -hmm. And we got together and we thought about all of the things that we felt were important uh, that cancer survivors know and do. Um, after they're done with treatment. We also had a little bit of help because there have been several reports that have come out since that 2006 report. The American Cancer Society and the American Society for Clinical Oncology have come up with um, survivorship care guidelines. Mm. And there's a whole list of them. Um, my, my issue with them is that they don't go far enough, but there are guidelines that have been uh, put out by ASCO and by the American Cancer Society. So uh, what we did was we kind of expanded a great deal upon those guidelines. Um, for example, one of the things that's not even recognized or acknowledged by the allopathic community is the depletion, the nutrient depletion that happens as a result of chemo and radiation. Mm -hmm. And when chemo is given very often these days, steroids are given at the same time so um, that depletes, oh my goodness, uh, folate and B vitamins and zinc and magnesium and yeah. all kinds of depletions that are taking place. And there's not a word about repleting those nutrients. Of course, right. One of the first things that we need to think about, and of course we need to think about the fact that um, the, uh, the gut's been wiped out yeah totally no that makes sense i mean this is it's so interesting because you're describing a situation in which you know we've knowingly put all these chemicals that's what chemotherapy is into someone to treat them often i mean it can be radiation or surgery as well but i see in my day-to-day -day living most of us need b vitamins and we're suffering from needing vitamin d and b vitamins just without even being ill that's part of it and now we're treating these someone for often a long period of time you know most treatment cancer treatment is three six nine I mean, it could be a long time and then there's a you know there's, there's definitely need for that basic assessment of what you're going to need to restock your supply oh, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that is nowhere in any of these guidelines and i think people can the biggest complaint of survivors is prolonged intense fatigue yeah. Well, of course there's going to be fatigue if you don't have b vitamins to you know help fuel your cells and you don't have cofactors and you don't have the enzymes firing the way they're supposed to because you don't have the cofactors there and you don't have gut bacteria, of course you're going to feel miserable. Mm -hmm. exactly. So that's one of the first things we do is we try and replete what has been depleted. Right. No, that's a really important piece. Actually, I'm going to share my screen for a second so folks can actually see what a piece of this website because it's a, it's a, it's going to let's see if I can do this uh, and have it look nice. Give me one. Let's see. Share my screen. I'll get rid of these two boxes. And this is the, this is the you know the website starts here. Twelve weeks. Two cancer survivorship experts. You back in charge. Right. And then what, after cancer treatment, were, were you left with unanswered questions? But what you made me think of is this next passage here with the beautiful pictures. Imagine waking up in the morning full of energy. As you stretch and get out of bed, your body moves fluidly. Your mind is clear and your digestion is calm. You feel your cells simmering with vitality. You relax into your day, confident you're providing yourself the care you need to keep your we you well today for years to come. 
right? Which is what you're saying, survivorship. Do you have a plan, mm -hmm. right? And so you can see what this is, where this program is actually going, right? Where this is what, and to me, I think it should be everyone should get this, basically, right? It shouldn't have to be that, you know, this should be part of the oncological process. I agree. I agree. Well, you know, we, we hope that if we can educate or inform enough oncologists about the fact that we are doing this, that they will refer patients to us because I can't imagine that oncologists feel good about just saying goodbye, good luck. Yeah. I'm sure they would feel better knowing that their patients were going into some kind of a structured environment where they were going to get help in rebuilding themselves. Absolutely. And then, of course, there's the simple cost analysis. I mean, it's not compared to what the cost for the medical treatment is. It's, it, it, this is, you know, it's tiny, right? And the impact is considerable. Well, what, what, here's, the, here's the problem is that some people have bought so completely into what the system tells them that they don't realize that there's anything they can do for themselves. Yeah. Think, yeah. Okay, well, I was told to come back in six months for a scan, so I come back in six months for a scan. And our mission, really, my mission, is, if nothing else, I want these survivors to understand they're in charge. Yeah. They are in charge. They can manage their blood sugar. They can manage their inflammation. They can monitor their vitamin D levels. They can monitor their toxic exposures. They can take care of their gut. They can mm -hmm. monitor heavy metals in their mouth. I mean, these are all things that we can do for ourselves. Right, right. Which, people yeah. don't realize that they can do all these things for themselves. They think they have to wait around and have somebody tell them what to do next. No. Well, no. it's interesting because that, that's what's, I mean, that's brilliant. It's very coherent. So you're calling it mindset, right? And, and we just, our, our last session we did was with uh, Bob Keegan, who talks about weight loss in terms of mindset, changing the mindset. So you're not just telling people what to do. You're actually saying, no, we need to work on your mindset of you've been in a system where you got used to being told what to do because it kind of made sense given that you had, you know, it's an oncological treatment, but now it's time to to own your own health in a lot of ways. I'm going to actually, I'm going to put, I'm going to share the screen again because uh, it's a different part of your website and you guys can see this. So here's what you get with 12 weeks of our live and expert guidance. The first one right here. First, we'll help you adopt and sustain a wellness mindset. This sets you up for success in all the other program modules and sets our program apart from most survivorship programs. Right. That's what you're saying. It's like it's got to, you know, there's that's that sounds like your that's your first piece. That's your mission. That is. And that's the first session is all about mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to it. So you get the mindset. Oh, I got to take care of myself and I can learn how to do this myself. So then what happens? Well, then what happens is uh, we talk about, you know, we try and move slowly through it because we realize that even even this is overwhelming for some folks. You know, some folks feel like, oh, I've just been through all of this and now you want me to do more. Mm. And so we kind of have to disabuse them of the motion of the notion that, you know, now you're actually doing another healing. No, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for success for the rest of your life. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're trying. That's what, what we're doing with the mindset. We're saying we're not, we're, we're not asking you to go on a special diet. We're asking you to adopt a way of eating that is going to support you your in health, not in disease. Right. So, so after we do the mindset, then we go right into um, hydration mm -hmm. and physical activity. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a wonderful uh, guest speaker who came to us the last time we did this, and I hope he'll come back again. He did a whole session on, he's a forest healer. Hmm. He does something called forest therapy. Oh. <laughs> and he's got lots, he's got some studies on his website uh, that talk about um, cortisol levels dropping when people spend time in the forest and he has specific exercises, time, yeah, time in nature, basically, yeah. but his, his thing is forest therapy. Yeah. He came and what we do, and this is part of the coaching part of it, is we ask everybody to talk to us about what they would like their action items to be for the week. Nice. So 
sometimes people say one, one woman uh, in our in our last group it was great she said she came back the next week and she said i found my sit spot mm -hmm. and she said there's this wonderful spot somewhere i guess on a back deck or something and she said and i can look out and i can see the birds in the trees and she lives in a mountainous area she said i can see the mountains and that's my new sit spot and i'm oh, going to go nice. there every day nice Nice. So we talk about that. Um, then we go into a few weeks where we talk about nutrition. And the first thing uh, I do, I'm looking at my schedule here, is we talk about the nutritional consequences of treatment. And this is what I was mentioning before, the fact that you become so deficient. So we talk about that and um, what a basic nutrient-dent diet looks like as a start to help you rebuild those reserves. You've basically lost your reserve. Yeah. So we want to help you rebuild that, desert, that reserve. So that takes a few weeks to get through all that. Um, once we get through you know, the basics, then we really focus on what are some very specific anti-cancer foods. And I've been looking at the recent research on this uh, just the past several weeks, and there's been some marvelous studies that have come out about parsley, and about cloves. Of course, curcumin's been in the news, the alternative news for a long, long time as an anti-cancer substance. So we start telling them about all the things that are probably sitting right in their cabinet, in their kitchen, and how powerful they are. We teach them, if, they, if they're interested, we show them how they can do broccoli sprouts and get dried mushrooms and all of these anti-cancer foods. So we spend quite a while talking about that. Then we move on after the dietary stuff. We talk about toxins in the home and in personal care products. Mm -hmm. um, few of us, and I think probably that includes us as well, I think probably everybody on this call right now, we just don't quite realize how toxic our, our clothes, our pillowcases, our furniture, furniture yeah. our, our everything. Everything, unfortunately. So, yeah. There's a lot of this that we really can't control, but there are things that we can control. So we talk about, uh, here in this session, we talk about cooking. We talk about different types of cooking, uh, what denatures, what types of cooking denature foods more than other types. We talk about cookware, stainless steel versus um, um, what am I trying to say? Teflon, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. We talk about microwaving and, and then we talk a lot about personal care products because again, this is something also women in particular, because we use so many more personal care products, don't realize when you put a body lotion all over your skin, that's all going into your bloodstream, especially when it's got these nanoparticles in it, which are tiny, tiny little particles that are small enough to just slip into your blood vessels. Right, right, right. right. So, you know, you put on some body lotion, you put on some face cream, you put on deodorant, you put on makeup and lipstick, and by the time you're done with all that, you put on some hairspray, you have just, just sprayed a bucket load of toxins all over yourself. Yeah, unfortunately. So we try and, you know, we, 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 what we really work hard to do is to set a reasonable tone because people cannot move forward if you say you have to do these 100 things. They just can't. Right. Well, back to personalized. So you want to make it personalized. You want people. And this is why it sounds very much like what we're talking about with coaching. It's very similar. It's finding, helping people find what the most useful and most powerful things they can do first. Right, and stick with it and helping them stay with it. Yeah, so that's why we start with, with walks and with, with nature, with hydration, with nutrient-dense foods, with the toxins that you can have control over, like what you fry your food in, what you store your food in, the types of products that you put all over your skin. Uh, we take them to the Environmental Working Group website, which is, as you know, is absolutely wonderful. They have a safe cosmetics database. They've got everything. They've got the dirty dozen there and the clean 15 so we can help them um, in terms of the food that they eat. We always want people to eat organic, but if they say I can't do all organic, then we can send them over to the environmental working group. Spend a lot of time talking about how very, very dangerous the genetically modified products are out there in the food supply, and it's, they're pretty ubiquitous at this point in the food supply. Uh, we would like for them and, and us and everybody to avoid them 
Um, they have been shown to um, promote mammary tumors in mice, and they're very disruptive to the, the gut flora. Aside from other things, some people have allergic and immune responses to them as well. Right, and but I can hear how you once again, it's not you're. This is not generalized nutrition. You're you're an expert in the field of oncological nutrition, so it's very you know you know you're you're keeping up with the research and you've you know everything you're doing is informed with it's keeping up with the science. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, just read something, as I was saying, I was reading about cloves and parsley and uh, black seed. Mm. Black seed, uh, cannabidiol, I mean, there's just all kinds of the curcumin, as I mentioned before, there's all kinds of uh, foods, spices, herbs with anti-cancer properties to them. You know, I think part of the problem is, we were discussing this last night at a lecture I was given, giving, is that the typical physician says, show me a randomized placebo-controlled clinical trial, yeah. and then I'll pay attention. Right. Right? If you give them an observational study, you give them a rat study, a mouse study, they say, show me a, an RCT, randomized clinical trial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the only people who can afford to run randomized clinical trials are pharmaceutical companies because they cost tens of millions of dollars to run. Right. So the asparagus association does not have 20 million dollars to spend on a clinical trial of course and it's you can't patent asparagus anyway well unless it's monsanto but yeah basically mm -hmm. yeah, yeah so, so, so we do have tons and tons of literature tons of research it doesn't find its way into the hands of the oncologists or the primary care physicians for the most part unless they're enterprising and they seek it out but it doesn't fall into their hands because it's not a randomized controlled trial. And there's no asparagus representative like there might be from Merck coming to the office and saying, here's this lovely study. Why don't you take a look at it? Right. Right. But, but, yeah. But what, what you're doing so interesting is that you're also you're not trying to treat the cancer. You're trying to promote the health after the cancer. Right. Which okay. is so, you don't you, you know, the studies are it can be broader than just simply cancer treatment. And of course, a lot of the oncologists are just focusing specifically on the cancer that they're working with, right? And that treatment, you're, you're, you're looking at bigger than that in a lot of ways, which I think is important for people to hear and to learn this wisdom. Well, yes. I mean, what we are looking at is we're, we're looking to create health. And as I said, we're looking to create an environment that is not hospitable to cancer coming back because you have to wonder if cancer came in the first place, there must have been something, some hospitality going on in the system that allowed that to happen. Exactly. Turn the hospitality into right. inhospitality. Yeah, and you want to do it not just by saying, do this, do that. You're actually working with people to understand what choices they can make, going back to the mindset piece that you said at the very beginning. Right. right. It, it sounds like, I'm just curious, are, do people work in group? I mean, it is, it's not just, I imagine that there, there's a process that's going on. So there's, they, they work one-on-one -on -one and in groups. I mean, how does, how does that work in the program? Well, the last time we did this, we had a small group. So everybody was contributing all the time during mm -hmm. our sessions. Mm -hmm. We did have suggested activities in between sessions, and mm -hmm. most people did. If they didn't, that's up to them. But, mm -hmm. you know, most people did. And they'd come back and report on what they tried. They might have tried a new food. They might have, I, I mentioned that one woman who found her sit spot. Uh, somebody else decided, uh, made a decision that she was going to be cooking separate meals for herself from the rest of her family because they were not able to get on board with her diet and she did not want to sacrifice herself for their diet. Mm -hmm. So she came to that decision. So, um, we, it's a combination, you know, we talk things through during the, during the session itself, and then they go off for the week and we have a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of things that are going on on the Facebook page. They can ask questions, they can share experiences with each other, they can bring up a new study if they want, or I can post a new study if I want. So there's kind of a constant contact during the week. Nice. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's really Good. lovely. Yeah. So we, we have a whole session that we do on rest. Ah, yes, which has been very important in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah, because mm -hmm. people don't want to rest. 
<laughs> it's hard, actually. It is hard. It is hard to rest. But of course, that's just what your body needs after you've gone through treatment. You need a lot of rest. Right. So, you know, we give them some structures in which they can rest. We talk about sleep strategies, setting intentions for mm -hmm. rest and for sleep. Mm -hmm. And then we move into digestion. Mm. Because I make the assumption that when somebody's been through chemo, especially chemo, their gut is wrecked mm -hmm. because chemo, uh, yeah, yeah. and it is because chemo kills all fast growing cells and that's all the cells that line your intestines. Mm -hmm. And it also kills off, interestingly enough, not every single uh, part of your microbiome. There are a few and I can't come up with their names for you. I know they have hard names. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few that um, can resist, that can survive chemotherapy, but not most of them. Right. So are they the good ones or the bad ones? We don't know which ones they are either, right? But yeah. 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 So your gut is very, very compromised. Um, you're missing your healthy bacteria. The lining of your gut, which makes up about um, 70 to 80% of your immune system, has thinned out. So it's called SIG-IGA. It's the immune immunity in your gut is not functioning properly. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we want to really work on is trying to rebuild the gut. Absolutely. Yeah. Part of that is talking about fermented foods, um, how to do it if you're interested in doing it yourself, where to get it if you're interested in getting it. If you're not, we tell them about the availability of probiotics mm -hmm. and digestive enzymes and things that can help them along as they're trying to bring their digestive system really back online again because mm -hmm. it's worked offline by the treatment. Absolutely. And and that's, I mean, what you're referring to is this whole movement of understanding our microbiome, which is that there's a whole ecosystem inside and that ecosystem needs to be actually, you know, nourished and enhanced because it, at, when we're healthy, it works really well. Right. And the chemotherapy has a habit, and also the modern diet has a habit of, uh, of, of destroying our microbiome. Actually, a lot of the studies show that our microbiome responds to poor eating habits within a couple of days, interestingly yeah. enough. So I imagine that when you get into this particular part of the process, people can start to notice real changes for relatively quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they do. And so we talk about that. And then we go into the two biggies or two of the biggies in my book, which are blood sugar and inflammation. Mm. The literature is exceedingly clear on this, that mm -hmm. people with high blood sugar and high insulin are at much higher risk of getting cancer and getting a recurrence of cancer. Same for inflammation. People with high levels of NF-kappa B and other inflammatory compounds have a much, much higher, higher risk. Sure. Now, this is something, this is somewhat of a little pet peeve of mine because nowhere in the ASCO and American Cancer Society guidelines do I see anything about monitoring blood sugar and, and inflammation. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I see here on page two, it says, um, do not offer any, uh, any lab work. It is recommended that primary care clinicians should not offer routine laboratory tests or imaging except mammography. Hmm. Now this is wow. this is troubling to me. Yeah, I bet. This is wow. very troubling to yeah. me. Yeah. If we have somebody with uh, fasting insulin of you know of, of fifteen and a hemoglobin A one C of six point and a CRP of you know five point two, that's not good news. But the good news is that we actually can do a lot for that, or they can do a lot for themselves once they find out how. These are not things that are are stuck. They're not. They're they're not. Um, baked into the cake. Inflammation levels can be lowered, blood sugar can be lowered, insulin can be lowered. So if you know that these are uh, risk factors that you have, that's the first part is understanding what exactly. your individual risk factors are. And then you say, okay, now we're gonna go on a very rigorous anti-inflammatory uh, low glycemic diet and, and most of the time, we can get those numbers into a into a healthy range. Right, which is so interesting because now what's happened is you've arrived at actually a place that's actually pretty common. I mean, this is not a cancer survivor moment. This is life in modern America. It's like 30 to 40% of Americans are suffering from GI problems or sugar inflammation. That's kind of the root. And you're now having to teach something that's pretty basic. 
I mean, it's not obvious for some reason, <laughs> but it's pretty basic for those of us in the naturopathic facility, you know, in the naturopathic system and in the whole food system. And so that's, this is the bread and butter work. What's it like to reduce inflammation, right? Eat in an anti-inflammatory way and to have a healthy gut and manage your blood sugar, mostly because blood sugar is so ill-managed because of food is so abundant that wrecks it in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're right. So some of these things are really, really obvious, but curiously enough, as obvious as they are, they did not make it into the guidelines for follow-up care. Yeah, well, that's what's so disturbing. I mean, yeah, so, so you've arrived at something to me that makes total sense, and now it got left out of the cancer system? I mean, that's like, a, like, wait a second, this is like, you know, to me, obvious. I mean, this is what we're saying, you know, the, you know, the, this is what most of the, the integrative health community is talking about for everyone. Why wouldn't we be talking about it in the cancer community? And thank goodness you're bringing it into the cancer community. Yeah, so we, we work really hard on that. It's really a, a surprise to some people. Yeah. And I think it's a surprise because they are accustomed to hearing the message that, you know, food has nothing to do with your cancer. Um, eat whatever you want, just don't lose weight. Right. Um, you're undergoing chemo, so let's give you some candy while you're having your chemo. Let's pass yeah, it. Yeah, feel better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, bad. it's just not, it's a whole different uh, mindset, speaking of mindset. Back to mindset, yeah. Yeah, back to mindset that, that they are coming from having come through the conventional system. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it makes total sense. Yeah. But the great thing is that once they understand it, there is just these aha moments. Right. Ah. Okay. Right. And they can notice how they feel too, and it even makes sense. That's good. I like that. I'm gonna. We're getting sort of close to, to the top of the hour, and we do tend to take questions. So I got one. I'm gonna open up my mic for my colleague here. Oh, his mic's open. I think he's got. He has a question for you. Okay. Well, it's more. It's more of a just a, a comment first yeah, that might lead to a question. So I just. I, I love what I've been hearing, Helena. I just wanted to 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 take three things and tie them together. Um, the first is just the the uh, the forest man. I forget how you referred to him. But I, you know, I've been fortunate enough not to have cancer directly in my life, but I've used, um, I call it wandering in nature, specifically in the woods, um, when I'm dealing with uh, healing from, from grief. So I think that that natural world is, is just, uh, it's getting a better and better reputation. So I'm really happy to hear that from you. Um, the second thing um, was the, I want to get it right, the survivorship care plan. And since the three of us have, edu you know, have ed backgrounds as educators, um, I just can't help thinking that that's what you know, the, our state of public education has tried to do so long with individual educational plans, the IEPs um, that you know, teachers had to run away from because they were overworked already. But the prospect of educating someone, whether it's for cancer or just primary school, individually just makes so much sense. Um, but it seems like such a novel idea. So I just really have a deep bow to you for sharing that. And then the last thing is one of our, I think, two conversations ago, we interviewed Louis Melmadrona, who spoke about narrative healing and the importance of the culture, the individuals, you know, the, the culture at large, but also the, the individual's culture um, and the stories that we tell around healing. And it sounds as though you have all of that integrated here. So I just... Again, there's, there's not a question there, but from a, an observer standpoint, um, I'm just really, really happy that you're doing the work you're doing. And if there's anything that that brings up to you, by all means, please respond. Well, thank you for that. And it, it, that's, it's gratifying to hear that because we, we really are trying to fill what we perceive to be a very, very large gap. And um, I've, you know, I not would myself have not experienced cancer but i have seen a lot of it in my family and friends i've been very up close and personal with it and um so it's kind of a mission you know for me a personal mission that i don't want to see other people go through what i watched say my dad go through um i just don't ever want to see that that in another person so it, it it's personal it's professional and it also, as, as Joel is saying, it, um, it just makes so much sense. Totally. You yeah. kind of well, think yeah. to yourself, why isn't everybody doing this? It's just so sensible. 
Yeah, no, and so I appreciate it is, and I appreciate Reggie framing it because listeners do like to hear the frame. I believe that I can get I can get another got another question. I'm going to actually put Lois on. Uh, I'm going to unmute and get her camera on. Uh, let's see if I could um, take a second because this is a relevant question too. Lo oh, there you guys, there you are. So an another question you had. I was curious to know if in the work that you've been doing, if any of it has been in the area of preventative measures. Well, all of it is preventative. I would just like related to um, like working with people who have had it versus people who um, are trying to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, there's not that much difference between the two in my mind because in if you and the book is for people exactly either people who've had it or people who don't want to get it and if you're uh concerned as we all we all are then you want to be doing the same things you want to be monitoring your inflammation levels and keeping track of your blood sugar making sure that your weight is under control monitoring your sugar intake and the toxicity i mean these are just basic things that you would do for health, for, for health, period. So as you said before, Joel, this, this is not about treating a disease. This is about creating a healthy ecosystem. And so that's good for prevention. It's good for post-treatment. It's good for prevention of anything. Well, that's what it's so interesting about it because it really is. So, you know, everything that you're describing is the perfect prevention plan. Right. And at the same time, you know, as a professional, you kind of have to pick a niche in order to, 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 to sort of, you know, have your product make sense. And so you pick the niche of the cancer survivor because it's so obvious there that they need something like this. And at the same time, I mean, looking through the book, I mean, I'm busy looking at it as we're on the air because you've described a lot of what's in the book. Right. So, I mean, your plan is really a, 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 a we'll do it with you kind of plan. In other words, the program, I mean, with with the experts, it's not just read about it. It's like have the experts with you for 12 weeks. But it's it's prevention after cancer and, and because that kind of makes sense to that we need that too but for anyone who's worried about cancer in their life these are the same recommendations right you don't really need to have cancer in order to do this and you know in my practice i mean i do integrative medicine you know half of this is what i'm doing for people who are coming in with you know gastrointestinal disorders and regulating sugar and anti-inflammatory and avoiding exposures i mean isn't that the basic uh well, you know, these things are so basic to us who, who work in the holistic world, we kind of think, duh, but it's always a surprise to realize when you're interfacing with people who don't live in, in this world, the world we live in, that it's, um, it's an aha for them. Right. Yeah, no, it really is. So, we'll that's what I, you know, that's what gives me sort of my, my professional jollies as an educator, mm -hmm. as an educator. What you like to do is you like to turn light bulbs on. You like to get people to go, ah, I understand, and I can do something with that. Mm, absolutely. That's really satisfying for me. That's good. That's great. I want to make sure, because we're getting to the top of the hour, that people really see how they can find your work, and uh, you know, because we really want encourage. And it's not even. I mean, if you, if someone doesn't find relevance for themselves, I think we all know somebody who could who could use uh, uh, advice here on cancer. So I'm going to share my screen and show this. Uh, whoops. Um, nope. Oh, that's yeah. This okay. is the book. I just wanted to make sure people see that there's a book because the book is uh, is you know the whole food guide for breast cancer survivors. That was where, in a way, you started this particular work, right? Where you wrote this. I mean, how many years ago is this book now? Four uh, years. Ago? It came out in 2012. Yeah, so it's been a while, and then from there you moved to the Renew program. I'm going to go all the way back to the top of this screen. It's a 12-week program. Right, you know, yeah, and but you know what? But but let's make clear how to get there because the URL yeah. showing is not the URL. I, well, that's the yeah. Unfortunately, I want to get to yeah. I actually put the URL in the and we're going to put it up on the website when people we'll get the exactly right URL for people. So when they watch the video, they're going to have access.
access to it right on our website. But I really like this particular piece right here. Uh, give us 12 weeks and we'll help you relax with the support of our of self-care and stress management strategies. Experience the peace of mind of having your own roadmap to cancer prevention. Increase your energy as you get back in charge of your wellness and get out from under the dark clouds of worry and feel hopeful again. And there's our guest with a wonderful smile in the middle of this video. So we'll make sure that the, that the, the actual, there, there's two URLs to get here, uh, is that we can, people have access to it because it should be easy to find. Great. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. And I, I you know, I, I think this is really important stuff and really powerful. So I'm grateful to have spent this time with you, Hawaiian. Well, I'm grateful you asked me, so thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I hope that, uh, you know, this has, this grows in there. It, it is everywhere because I think we all need, need uh, this. We do all know somebody not very distant. In most of the adults I know, there's somebody in the world who's struggling with cancer or having survived. What are the statistics now? One in four, one in five, one in three. I mean, it's getting pretty yeah. common. One in three for women and one in two for men. Wow. There's a statistic. Yeah. Yeah, very sober. Yeah. So I'm very grateful. I want to thank you very much for joining us. We're going to have a, about a minute of promotion that we'd like to do about our next calls. But just so everybody knows who's listening, that these calls are all done free and they're all available. So, we, you know, there's the login system at teleosis.org. And actually, Reggie, can you tell us a little bit about this? Uh, there's an upcoming event we're doing that you're doing. Yeah, on, on January 23rd, on Saturday, uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it is known. I'm not yes. pretty sure. It's, it's noon um, Eastern time, and that would be 9 o'clock um, on the West Coast. And it's uh, using poetry as a, as a path to healing. Um, and it's an hour and a half course. It's a, it's a one-time course, and we'll just provide an overview of, of using poetry writing as a one way to move into a healing narrative. And that's, uh, again, the information for that will be, is available on the Teleosis site. Um, and it's January 23rd, Saturday, noon on the East Coast and 9 o'clock on the West Coast, 9 o'clock a.m. Yeah, so we hope you can join us for that. And then Vital Conversations will be back in a month. At this stage, we generally are doing it the second Wednesday of each month. So on February 10th, we'll have Ruth Woolover, who is going to be returning to the conversation of the certified health coach, the journey forward. I, for those who are following that in the, in the, to the calendar year 2016, there will likely be a certification exam uh, for health coaches. And Teleosis Institute has a certification program that's been approved. And so uh, Dr. Rollover is going to have a, a lively conversation about that. And we hope that you can join us. And uh, we're grateful for everyone who's listening. And uh, Helene, once again, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much.